0: We're finishing up the book of Job today. And by the way, welcome to all the live streamers. We'd actually like for the live stream people and those who watch it later, the time shifters, to do us a favor. And that is in the comments. Tell us where you're from. Because we're getting an awful lot of people viewing. And we kind of like to know where you are on the planet. We won't show up at your door, I promise. I don't think we have that kind of capability, frankly. But we would love to hear from you. There are Here we wrap up the book of Job today, and next week will be a special service, and then after that we'll start in the book of Revelation. There are so many books out there about suffering, Uh, people who have gone through a particular type of suffering, maybe the loss of a family member, the loss of a child, maybe they've walked with a parent with Alzheimer's, maybe they've had cancer themselves. All of these are journey books. And all of them are wonderful, and we need to have them here. But the problem is that they end before our journey ends. Let's say that you have a a cancer, and you read a book about a cancer survivor, and about their process as they went through it. And it's very, very helpful, but you hit the last page, and you're still on the journey. I feel that way about every time I finish the book of Job. Because as we finish the book of Job, we, we have two things in our head if we paid attention. One, very repetitive. Two, not ready for it to be done. And these are conflicting, but they, they're legitimate. If you read along with us as we did this, and as, if you studied and reflected on this language, and the twists and turns along the way, you, you understand the power of this book. If you haven't, you've lost out on a lot of information, and I hope that you go back and review these lessons, but mainly review the book. I've told you before, I'm not a science fiction guy. Um, I, I'm a science guy, but I'm not a science fiction guy so much. But Ray Bradbury's book, Fahrenheit 451, hit me hard when I was in what you would call junior high, I guess, um, middle school. The, the idea is a future time when books are illegal because the government doesn't want you to be thinking or knowing anything other than what it wants you to think and know. So firemen are actually people that go around and burn books when they find them. But a fireman, for some reason, grabs a book and hides it and reads it, and it transforms his life. And Eventually, he finds a secret community of people who know it's, it's death penalty to be found with the book. So when they find a book, they memorize it. And the scene out of the book that hit me the hardest was when a man walked up to the fireman and said, Hi, I'm the book of Job. They took on the identity of their book, the book of Job. And I'm thinking, yeah, I think on a journey, the book of Job is probably what you need. Have a look at Job 42: 1 through six. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. There are a a couple of things this morning in this lesson that if your jaw's not hitting the floor, you're not paying attention. And this is going to be one of them. I want to float out something to you that you might not have thought about before. I've often asked God to reveal himself to me in some form. Sometimes it is in a result, a person healed, a relationship mended. But there have been times I just wanted to see his presence. I've been in lecture halls where the professors mock any Christian, any believer, the idea that there is a God. And I have to be in the lecture hall. I have to take the course. And i thought, God, I'm not asking for much. Just walk through. You can say hi to him. You can flick him if you want to. But don't have to, just the fingers are going. Like, no, didn't happen. What if, and I want you to work with me here, what if he doesn't show up as a favor to us because his presence would make the situation much, much worse? Think about this Job got to see the full ish presence of God. And what does he do? Job 40, 1 through 7. Remember? The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And Job answered the Lord, I'm, un- I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once. <laughs> he spoke more than that. But I, I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself. <laughs> I'm going to suggest that's not what you want to hear God say. Opening up a conversation, brace yourself. (laughs) No, Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. I want you to think about this. We sing in our hymns, and so we should, of a sweet, sweet spirit asking God to come upon us as we should. We call for God to arrive in great and mighty ways. As we should. But what if God holds back because showing up would break us? What if God not showing up is an act of love? This is true even of his angels. Little vignette here out of Judges 13. Manoah got up and followed his wife. She'd had an encounter with an angel. He wanted to check it out. When he came to the man, that's the angel, are you the man who talked to my wife? Um, He said, so Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord answered, your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I've commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, we would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, Even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not realize it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? The answer that the angel gave, you can't handle it. We can't even handle the name of of an angel. How are we going to handle the presence of God? In fact, God says nobody has seen God and lived. Think about this. Poor examples is all we can come up with because we're humans. But I want you to think of your your wee toddler. Just kind of got a Nerf basketball. Got one of those little tight hoops about to there, right? And they're tall and around, and they're about to put it in a hoop. And dad comes and body checks the kid into the next room. Grabs it, dunks it, goes in your face. Now, dad's a jerk. There's no question. But asking God to show up is kind of like asking for that. If we pray, God, remove the evil from our land, you're going to go away because we're part of the evil. We've all subsidized evil. Different forms, different evils. We all have our favorite evils. But we can't pray for God to bring justice to this land unless we're willing for him to show up and say, brace yourself, because I'm starting with you. I don't want, I don't want that to happen. I, I don't. I have learned it through the book of Job to thank God for not always coming when I call. Because we couldn't handle it, God comes slowly. The same thing, by the way, little kid trying to reach something, and then you just reach and go, what, you idiot, you can't reach stuff. Driving a car, anything. A child would learn to despise itself. That's Interesting. How could it understand, much less compete with, such a powerful person as this big guy? Parents who do not understand the fragility of children and the need to nurture them carefully along the way can end up with a child that is unable to function in larger society, overprotected or underprotected. By the way, parents, don't panic, there's a huge envelope in between those two, and children are really great self-bending creatures if you don't push the edges. But what if God showed up every time we ask him? What would that be? What would that be like? I want you to notice in chapter 42, Job despised himself. And though he doesn't say it, that's probably the reason God took so long to show up. God took a lot of abuse in this book. A lot of abuse from Job, but also from Eliphaz and Zophar and Bildad and Elihu, he allowed them to say a lot of things, some of them very beautiful, and we have to give them credit, even though they, were, they did not understand what God was doing and all the why, therefore their theology was messed up, just like our theology is messed up. Everybody thinks they got it right. Uh, these people said some amazingly beautiful things about God, but they also said some very hurtful and untrue things about God. But God waited because God knows how we look at ourselves after we've seen him. God never despised Job. But as soon as Job caught a glimpse of God, Job despised himself. Get it now? Do you get why he does not roll in the way we would sometimes like? Because we would then look at our own self and go, I've got nothing. I am nothing. As the prophet said, I am an evil man and I live in a world, a nation of evil men and evil lips. He, was, he, was, he, he, he didn't feel he could go farther until the angel came and placed the coal upon his lips and said, You will speak. You're going to, like it or not. And that's when the prophet goes, Here am I. Send me. Well, we will be asking God to send his spirit to us next week, this week to go before us as we navigate these troubled times and our minds have to be opened in rooms that haven't seen the sunlight in a very long while. But God offers a promise and a warning when we ask for his spirit. In Exodus 33, then Moses said then, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. By the way, ultimatums to God, bad idea. You might want to write that down, all right? Do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses goes, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. In other words, do not question why God blesses and doesn't. This is repeated in the New Testament pretty heavily. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And so he places him in a rock where he only has a narrow slit of vision, and God passes by. That's why we talk about the rock of ages, cleft for me. It gives us that little glimpse of God, which is all we can handle. Much of God, how much, I'm sorry, how much of God that Job saw, we don't know. It's not described. What we do know is that seeing God shattered Job's self esteem. His whole sense of value was gone. He despised himself. So God goes immediately to work, to fix that, because God doesn't want you to do that. I can remember in most songbooks. You remember songbooks? We we used to have songbooks. We still have them. You just can't keep touching them. Anyway, um, cause of death. Songbooks. That's got uh, you know. One of these days, it's going to happen. Um, we had there was an old song at the cross, at the cross, and would he had a line in it, would he devote that sacred head to such a worm as I. When I was even a boy, I was going, we're worms? God thinks we're worms? Now, I grew up in a church where you weren't allowed to say these things out loud. So I'm going, I don't know if I like this. You know, how are we worms? Eventually, I asked somebody. And I said, well, see, David. David calls himself a worm. And I said, but God never calls us worms. And he doesn't. And when David called himself a worm, what did God do? Reached down and worked with him to build him back up. Why did David call himself a worm? Because he was a worm. He had, he had acted horribly. But God is not, never looks upon us as, a, as worms. He never looked at Job and despised Job. So he goes to work. There in Job chapter 42, God tells Job's friends, they've not spoken the truth about God. We're going to, um, not quite ready for that one, all right? We'll get to that one in just a bit. Um, they said so many wonderful and true things, but they left out grace. Now, they did bring up grace and forgiveness, but only after adequate repentance and, and uh, confessing of all sorts of sins, right? Again, this, this, sh- this just messes with our theology. Read the Gospels. Jesus continually forgave people before they changed, before they repented. He forgave them openly, met with them lovingly. We have this set pattern. In fact, our theology very often follows that of Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar and Elihu. All of those saying, repent, and then many, many blessings. And yet Jesus comes and goes, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God gives blessings to whom he gives blessings. Many, many good people will suffer through no fault of their own. I wrote about that um, for the the E-blast. Trees will fall on your house that you didn't plant that tree, and you don't know where the tree came from, but the hurricane brought the tree. And you're wondering why. It's a tree in the wind. We're born in a war zone. One out of one dies. Eventually, we've got to understand this. And some of our great precautions are very, very necessary, and I certainly take them. But we need to remember that great precautions will not keep us from that one out of one. We will die. We will hurt. We need to understand that that's part of our journey. And then here's the next part. The first part was understand that if God moved when you wanted God to move, that could be a very bad idea for you and for me. Here's the second. God promises to hear the prayers of Job. But there's an interesting bit that tends to get lost. Let's bring that up now. Chapter 42. Now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job, this is his friends, and prepare a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. By the way, big, big plus. God not dealing with you according to your folly? Yes. You've not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. After Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Did you catch it? Oh, mate, this is huge. This is big. Don't go past it in a rush to finish the book. Job was already accepted and heard in the heavenlies because Job has been praying and God makes it very plain. I've heard Job. I've answered his prayers. Job and I are good. We're on good relations. Everything is fine between us. But God did not bless Job on earth until he forgave his friends. Did you catch that? He says, Job, when he prays for you, then I'll bless him on earth. Already blessed in the heavenlies, already forgiven in the heavenlies. We're all good in the heavenlies. But if you want to be blessed on earth, one of the things that the scripture says is you got to forgive those who have treated you awful, just horribly. You got to forgive them. It's a rule. I didn't make that up. It's in scripture. How about James two thirteen? Because judgment without mercy. Will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. A word. And again, I, I, jaws should drop. I, I get that, but mine too. You know, next week's gonna be a, a call to prayer and a service that uh, has been built for us. Even prayer has become political. Isn't that just horrible? Everything we do becomes political. Years and years ago, when President Obama at that time was a senator and he's running for his first term, uh, for the first term as president, uh, the church I was in just outside of Detroit in Rochester, we had four Wednesday nights. It was really good the way that worked. There were four Wednesday nights before, there were five Wednesday nights, the month before the election. And so what we did is we had a panel up front in our congregation, um, one guy would speak the first Wednesday on, on, he's a Democrat, and this is why he's going to vote this way. Next guy, next Wednesday, um, he was a Republican, and this is why he's going to vote this way. Third guy, he, he was an independent. Who wasn't? We found out as he was talking. Uh, he, was, he was a Democrat too. Didn't bother me. And then the, uh, the fourth guy, Libertarian, upset everybody. And then the fifth Sunday, uh, fifth Wednesday rather, it was an open panel, open mic with the whole church. Why do we do that? Because you need to never, never let politics trump our blood in Christ. We need to not be offended by others. We need to forgive them if we want to be forgiven ourselves. And when I meet a bigger sinner than me, I'll tell you. But it's no happened yet. Therefore, I need to forgive others because I need the forgiveness. It's very selfish. People sometimes will say, you've been very nice. I'll go, it's very selfish. I, it, I have ulterior motives. You know, I, I want to be forgiven. That's the only reason I'm doing this. Not much care or love, actually. It's all self-serving. And then they laugh. They don't realize. I'm telling them the truth. Don't miss those things. Don't miss this. The whole book of Luke. Right, look at Luke 7, for example. In Luke 7, Jesus eats and, prays and, and and praises rather, and loves the lowest person in society, the thrown away, no important person. But he also goes and eats at the house of the Pharisees. You'll find him with centurions and central power, but you also see him with a woman who has had to sell her body to stay alive. And remember... You are who you eat with. So I can pray with anybody. I can talk to God with anybody. I don't care their political feelings. Not at this point. God trumps that. So let's be very careful as we go through this season. If politics can divide us from any other person of faith, then our God is not bigger than our politics. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Never forget God didn't bless them until they forgave same with Job another thing we need to really don't rush past and this will be the last jaw dropper <laughs> alright in the middle of all the piles of blessings God gives Job one of them is he restores him to a community we need community don't we after all this COVID, don't you need community I've even considered allowing hugging. And as a British person, that's about as extreme as you can go. You know, and, and I've considered it. Don't get your hopes up. You come flying at me. I'm calling the safety team. But we're, we miss each other, don't we? We, we, we want to be in community with each other. So God restores him to community. Take a look at chapter 42. After, Job had prayed for his friends. The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. That You are who you eat with. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. See, God's not getting out of it. God did did do this. This was, we're not, you know, don't wipe that away. God did it. If you can't get your head around it, that's okay because you're not God. That's the whole point of the book. The Lord had brought on, and each one of them gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. Okay. His community, in other words, not only was he restored to community, each of them gave back to him. They supported him. They loved him. Please understand this. None of these riches are going to reverse the fact that Job lost children. And now has memories of some very, very hard times. They're gonna, that, those, those pains are going to last him for the rest of his life. And I know the Bible says he got twi- twice as many children and twice as much riches as he had before. That's not the point, is it? Because it's not like, well, you know, I, I lost four kids, but I got eight now, so I'm really ahead of the ball. No. You still remember the pain. So the community gathered around and supported him. How long? I would assume the rest of his life because don't we hurt the rest of our lives? Don't we limp along the rest of our lives after suffering? So we carry each other the rest of our lives. Be aware of compassion fatigue when we get tired of carrying one of us. No, we carry each other. And Then that line, over all the trouble, Yahweh Jehovah had brought on him. Yahweh's a name for God that is considered the highest name or one of the highest names. He doesn't really say that, but we kind of infer that. And nobody, I, I don't care what you've read, nobody really knows its original form and original root meaning, but it seems to be, and I'm being very cautious here, it seems to be connected to ancient words for Covenant. I prefer to think of it all as linked to promise. God is running the universe, and He runs it looser than we would, and He runs it tighter than we would, but He's running it. Mark, would you bring your team back up, please? What God wants from you is to be the people who continue to face toward God in spite of what you see on earth, in spite of, in spite of what you, you face on earth. So as a way to open up where we're headed in two weeks, if you would stand, please. Hear this from John the Revelator as he enters the throne room of God. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne of God and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? Where'd they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. God knows it's hard. God knows we're frustrated. God knows we're blind and not seeing what we want to see. God gets that. And his response is love and grace and forgiveness. He will not remove our pain, but he will walk with us as he walked with Moses through it. Let God be God. Let the church be faithful.